Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, over the next few programs, we're going to talk about midlife emotional pain and some powerful ways to overcome it. First, the bad news. Experts tell us that anxiety, fearfulness, and depression are at a tragic high In the U.S. alone, 18.1 million adults are afflicted with anxiety, and that's only cases that have been reported. I bet there's a lot more than that. And the U.S. is among the most depressed nations in the world, and with their relatively high standard of living, cultural and educational advantages, one has to wonder why, don't we? So at middle age, what, if anything, is making you fearful? Whatever the cause of your anxiety, it's making your days stressful and hard to face, keeping you awake at night, and turning your life into hell on earth. That is, if you're really afflicted by one of anxiety or fear or depression. And so how are you presently coping, and how do you intend to fight off your fear and anxiety? Well, common prescriptions for clinical depression are pharmaceuticals or lengthy sessions on a therapist's couch, And by masking your anxiety, these methods may provide temporary relief, but so often they fail to provide a permanent solution. And today my guest, psychotherapist William Pullen, is going to present a whole new, tremendously powerful method he has created for overcoming emotional pain. And in some ways it's brand new, but in other ways it's as old as humankind. And we're talking about mindful movement, Step-by-step, you can run or walk your way out of stress, anxiety, and depression. And his innovative approach joins the proven benefits of exercise, mindfulness, talk, and fresh air. And that's a winning combination. And if you're like me, how many times has a possible solution come to you uh, when you were out jogging or taking a walk? And William Pullen calls his new method dynamic running therapy. And we'll refer to it as DRT to save time, but that's Dynamic Running Therapy is the official name. And he's here to explain what it entails and how it can work for you and me. And William Pullen is a London, England-based psychotherapist registered with the British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy. He practices integrative therapy and specializes in treating depression, anxiety, problems of self-esteem and confidence, and substance abuse. And he's been featured in publications like Vogue, New York Times, and GQ. And he's author of the brand new book, Running with Mindfulness, Dynamic Running Therapy to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress and depression. And hello, William Pullen. Indeed, uh, welcome to uh, Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. And uh, I'm firmly middle age. I just turned 50, so I think uh, it's good timing. You qualify, but um, we always define middle age as around 40 to uh, question mark, question mark, question mark, because it's all really uh, less about chronological age than about one's attitude toward life and. Uh, 
That's expectations right. for the future. But let's start from the beginning. What is dynamic running therapy? Let's call it DRT. And what is it intended to accomplish? Well, uh, you can think of it, if you like, as a sort of mental spring clean, a sort of um, <laughs> way of using running to, to clean up your emotional hard drive, if you like. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, if there's stuff in your hard drive, such as stress, anxiety, depression, um, things like that, then this book uh, and this method provides you with an opportunity to address it. It also has simple programs for mindful running, uh, mindful walking, uh, running with your kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's got a whole lot in there for everybody. Yeah, that's great. I love the way you uh, talk about bringing together exercise talk therapy and the ancient wisdom of mindfulness and uh, that that's such an ancient uh, i guess it was back in uh, you know the era of buddha and way back then that uh, this mindfulness came about and it's, but it's so often ignored in modern society you tell us that uh, DRT like i said brings together exercise talk therapy and mindfulness can you please tell us what you mean by talk therapy um So I'm uh, a trained psychotherapist here in London, and when I talk about talk therapy, I'm referring to any kind of psychotherapy that involves talking. Oh, is that talking to yourself or talking to someone else or both? Well, if you are doing DRT, the book has instructions on how to do it with somebody else. Oh, so if you both share a journey, and there's some real benefits to that. And I, I yeah. always encourage people to, to do that if they can. Um, but uh, it, it also shows you how to do it by yourself, uh, in which case, yeah, essentially you'll be talking to yourself. Um, <laughs> I do that all the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. If you're doing it for anxiety, for instance, as a, you go to the anxiety chapter and there's a whole journey that it's yeah. going to take you on and places where you can uh, write in all your answers after each run and each run you'll explore a different facet I ask questions and you run with that yeah. and I talk to you about what is anxiety and and how do you relate to your anxiety how do you relate to unpleasant feelings um, what what you feel about self-acceptance um, these sorts of things, and and um, so yeah, it works either with somebody else or by yourself. Oh, I see. Well, we've had prior guests on our program that uh, informed us about the benefits of mindfulness meditation. But could you uh, please refresh our memories? What is mindfulness, and how does it benefit us as part of DRT? Oh my goodness! Well, mindfulness in general is uh, is just a, a fantastic. If you can take ten minutes out of your day. Uh, I start first thing in the morning and just sit there and concentrate on nothing but your breathing and of course your mind will drift off to places and then you'll notice yourself castigating yourself or drifting off oh god there I go again come on work harder you can do this you've got to get better at this and and for me, part of DRT is uh, learning, and, and this is mindfulness, is learning to that the best way to quiet that voice and to have it stop interrupting you 
is to be more accepting of it. And instead of being so critical of yourself, just make room for it. And in mindfulness, you'll hear people talking about letting stuff go, acknowledging it, and then let it go. So, yeah, okay, so there's a part of me that feels like I should be doing better here. I don't have to beat myself up because of that. What I can do is just go, oh, okay, there it is. I love that quote you had in your book that it's uh, remarkable how liberating it is to see that your thoughts are just thoughts and they are not you or reality. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) It's so liberating. And, um, and you know, that tiny little change in attitude there uh, really can, can open up uh, a whole new way of existing in the world. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not self-condemning yourself for your um, negative thoughts, if you recognize them for what they are and, and where they're coming from and, uh, and what's really going on in the present moment, that's, that's a wonderful, uh, that mindfulness is so wonderful to take a grasp of. Well, why is exercise so critical to the DRT method? Can't we accomplish the same degree of healing through a combination of mindfulness and talk therapy while we sit still? What benefit does movement bring to the equation? Okay. Uh, I'm glad you asked that. So let me tell you a little bit, if I may, about my own journey into DRT and how (laughs) how I, if you like, discovered it. Um, About... 11 years ago so I was in a bad place in my life um, I was having a sort of crisis I um, I was very unhealthy in my lifestyle and everything had sort of come come down on me and I knew that I needed to make some very serious changes so I went into psychotherapy and I took up running knowing that running um, and being outside and, and just getting out of my flat would be good for me yeah. And I needed something to do out there. And walking around was one thing, but I thought, you know, if I can get a running practice going, yeah. knowing how unhealthy I am, have that to sort of concentrate on, that's going to be really good for me. It'll give me a, a sense of accomplishment and a sense yeah. of doing something. Because I feel, at the time, I felt very powerless to to do anything about what yeah. was going on in my life. So I wanted something that I could actually say, no, look, here, I went, I did this, and I got from A to B, and I can say that I achieved something today. Yeah, yeah, that's um, great. And so I was lucky enough to have an American friend called Chris, um, oh. and he was going through a divorce at that time, not that he knew it at that point, but he would be soon going through a divorce. <laughs> and we, if we would meet in Hyde Park, and we would set off running around the serpentine. And at first, I could barely get even 50 meters. I was yeah. smoking over a pack of cigarettes a day oh, and just a lifetime of, of bad habits. <laughs> um, and I said to Chris, uh, Tom, let's just see how far we can go and we'll increase it every day. But here's the sorry, I've taken a bit of time to get to this. But the bit why running? Because what I noticed was that not only is there a sense of accomplishment, but we started talking and sharing, and it was so easy to share what was going on in our lives. And, you know, as we men don't always find that easy, and there was something liberating. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, I know. I think you refer to that as flow in your book, and that's really what it is. That's right. The thoughts start flowing out, and your inhibitions seem to uh, be much less 
apparent when you're uh, running or exercising like that, and just uh, you know, start thoughts start coming to your mind, and you start uh, stating them, and it yeah. doesn't bother you like it normally would. Yeah, yeah. I I also call it uh, emotion in motion. Emotion <laughs> I like that. in motion. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? I wish yeah. I could tell you it was mine, but I I didn't invent it. That's the sensation of feeling full and in connection to your emotions as you move, right? That's basically what yes, it means. Exactly, and it's noticing. You know What I do with my clients when I'm one-to-one with a client here in London is um, you know, it's very much a client-led pr- practice. So yeah. I'll say to them, you know, what's going on for you right now? I notice that you're going faster. I notice that you're going slower. Whatever it is they they might do, and I'll reflect that back to them. And so the body tells us a lot about what's happening emotionally. It can tell us about... um, This is another fun thing, which I say to people, a very informative thing. I say, watch the way you begin your DRT journey. Watch all of the reservations that come up. Oh, I can't do this. I'm not a runner. I can't run more than 100 meters because I'm this or I'm that. Write it all down. Accept it. That's some of your reservation. doesn't make it true. In time, you'll find none of that's true. In time, you'll find what I found, which was if I did one step after the other one day, I found myself running a marathon, and if yeah, you well, told me a year and a half, I have a question about that. The title of your book is "Running with Mindfulness," and I'm certain the thought of running may be intimidating for those of us at middle age that are out of shape like you used to be, and we're, uh, we've not had any strenuous exercise for years. And is your DRT method designed only for folks who are fit, or can <laughs> you know people who are not so fit? Uh, take it uh, up and it's most yeah 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 no anybody can take it up and as i as i say in in the book uh you know you can even do it walking but you need to put in a little bit of effort you know you need yeah. to engage with the process but i but start off walking see if you can get a jog going even if it's only for a minute and the next time you go out see if it's for a minute and a half and yeah. then just build it slowly it doesn't have to happen fast but it's amazing what you can get to. You know, there are people out there who are 90 years old um, running marathons and older. Yeah, they're sure. They can and be I done. I enjoy watching them. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Well, from, your no, I mean, yeah, we... th- your, from your experience with the therapy, what is um, DRT particularly good for? You mentioned some, uh, some of the things that uh, it especially works well on. Yes, I think that it works particularly well for depression, you know, and, oh, and anxiety. I think yeah. that uh, you know, to, depression is often characterized by uh, feelings of powerlessness, feelings of being yeah. lost, yeah. feelings that, that you one needs to isolate. It, DRT gets you out. It empowers you, and gives you uh, a, such a physical high um, yeah. that uh, you know, in depression, I think a big thing is just. If you can introduce to somebody just for a moment uh, a sense memory of what it's like not to be depressed, yeah. that's a massive building block because when you're seriously depressed, there it's it's unrelenting, isn't it? Yeah, and and I love how you say becoming unstuck. It's good at that because if you feel like you're never able to do anything when you start this uh, DRT uh, regime and uh, 
you start with a few steps, and then the next day you do more and more, and uh, you really get a feeling of accomplishment that says, hey, I'm not so uh, worthless. I can do what I intend to do, and I can improve my life. I love that uh, that sense that it adds in there. For sure. You know, having to use one's body, even if you walk slowly, uh, you know, if, if it's a challenge for you, walk slowly, and, and as long as you're challenged, it's just amazing what you can achieve. The sense of accomplishment, it's not about how far you go. It's about what you have to put in to get there. And if it takes you a year uh, to walk or run a mile, that's fine. Um, that's your victory. Um, yeah. It's not about becoming a super fit athlete. It's just about becoming fit in emotions, fit in body, fit in spirit, trying to make everything just flow a little bit. Yeah, you're really just competing against yourself and uh, not against anyone else, obviously, and uh, that makes so much sense. Well, like me, I'm certain our listeners would agree that the uh, DRT method has great promise, but I'm I'm not certain we understand how to implement it. In your book, you describe DRT as a three-step process. I know we can't go into details, but can you uh, briefly summarize those three steps? Well, um the three steps are to, as they are in the book, is to, uh, there's, there's mindfulness, meditation, which is uh, every session you begin with that. Uh, if yeah. you feel like you want to do it, you have yeah, to do you it. You call that grounding, I guess. That's, that's to say, it, where am I right now or <laughs> where do I start exactly. the session from? Yeah, that makes Exactly. It, it's about taking a moment to check in. What's happening in my body? Yeah. What am I feeling? And what can I hear? What can I smell? And then what do I want to get out of this moment now? Not what did I think I want to get out? Not what do I feel I should get out? Just right now, what, what's my instinct? Can I be mindful about what I want now? Uh, and, then, and then taking off. And as you run, it's about noticing what's happening for you as you walk. Noticing yeah. what's happening for you. Yeah. Noticing the inner dialogue. If it's just mindful running you're doing or mindful walking, then just, you know, be engaged with your practice. You know, if it's mindful running, walking, you're probably counting every other step or just counting trees. Uh, And as your mind drifts away, bring it back um, gently and notice that process and and notice the different uh, feelings that you have and the different thoughts that you have and the different severity as it changes and 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 come to meet yourself uh, that's really what it's all about and then if you're doing the program for anxiety depression then you'll be running with a question and notice how um, as you engage in your run and you start to think about that question notice how um, you approach it notice what it brings up you notice how your body reacts to that um, notice what your instinct is. Do you want to slow down with it? Do you want to speed up with it? Um, and then the third step, which is very important, is to make notes at the end of uh, the run um, or when you get home. Yeah. Well, to kind and of summarize, you true. offer uh, five print-ready tips. You call five steps to get moving, get mindful, and lift your mood. Could you briefly summarize for us those five steps? I know you offer a printable uh, download of that somewhere, but uh, how how could we obtain those two? Okay, so you've got uh, you need to make room for your feelings. Uh, that's an important one. So I sort of mentioned that before. You're going to uh, learn how to honour 
what's going on. And by honor, I mean, I don't mean that if I'm feeling down, I've got to feel completely down. It just means that I'm going to acknowledge that right yeah, now there's a part that. of me that's yeah. not. Yeah. Um, work at your own pace, step number two. This is really important. Um, yeah, that's... To, and also, it makes no sense to, uh, like you say, to strive valiantly for something, and, <laughs> you know, trying to force things at too fast a pace. It's kind of self-defeating because it kind of uh, runs down your self-esteem if you don't meet some real ambitious goals. So I like that uh, when you point oh, that out. Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. And then number three is listen to your body, you know, uh, which I mentioned to to you before. You know, what, what's what's your body telling you about this experience right now when you are when you are faced with this particular difficult aspect of your anxiety or depression? Yeah. Does your body want to give up? Can you can you just be okay with that? And then can you notice? Does your body have a different idea after that? Yeah. Um, once you've accepted it. So again, it's just accepting who you are and and legitimizing that. So that's what acknowledgement's all about. Is to say, look, I don't need to fix this, and I don't need to avoid it. It's much easier just to acknowledge it, accept yeah. it. Um. Be mindful of your movement. Um, this part is really about how you move in general. So uh, when you take off uh, for a walk or a run, notice about um, how your movement contrasts with what's happening on that particular day. So if I'm feeling down, do I, do I tend to start really slowly? Do I tend to speed up? Yeah, that's really um, a fascinating concept I never thought of, but uh, you can probably tell what your mood is by uh, how you're starting out on the exercise. Most definitely, and you can improve your mood by improving how you do those. Yeah. Uh, start your So when you notice that it's not, see if you can lift your head up a little bit more. Often shallow breathing will, 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 will be part of that. So take a deep breath. Um, check in with your body. What's what's happening now? Can I hear my feet? Can I hear the sounds of, or am I so far in my own head that I can't hear any of this stuff? <laughs> um, and just notice, you know, how do I go around about the projects in my life? Because if there's something about how I address my my walking or running, my DRT in general, yeah. am I am I when I'm reluctant to go to it and start it, do I then throw myself in it? and then tend to sort of crash early and start it very slowly. But just watch watch for your processes and, and learn from it. Learn what it says about you. And then the last one is one you just mentioned, which yeah. is don't strive too hard. Yeah. yeah my that, goodness. <laughs> yeah, that could That's be a tough one, right? Well, let's talk about your brand-new book, Running with Mindfulness. At the end of each chapter, I think you mentioned you provide questions and self-help exercises to assist readers in performing uh, DRT. Tell us a little bit about what you have at the end of most of all your chapters there. It's, uh, they're really helpful. Um, yeah, so that's, a, that, that's some space to take notes about what's, uh, what your... Uh, at the end of every question, uh, and the, chapters, the chapter is made up of, of 20 questions, um, there are places after each question to take notes. And... And then at the end of the chapter, there's somewhere, and you can do this in your own journal. I, I, I encourage people to get a journal. 
And at the end, there's, when you've done these questions enough time and you can do them over and over again and sometimes run with the more important ones and sometimes run with ones that don't feel so important, don't yeah. skip other ones and sometimes run with no questions. But when you feel like you've really made some progress, when you've run with a lot of questions and you've learned a lot in your writings and you've seen now how you, the part that you play uh, through the way you relate with yourself um, in your journey, um, then it may be time to do what I call the final synopsis, which is a, oh. it's a moment to, to write. It's a ritual where you write down where you've been, where you understand you are, and, and where you'd like to be. Oh, that's great. Well, um, uh, where, where's the best place that a listener should go to uh, preview and purchase your book? What's, what's the best place to do that? Well, there's a small online place. I don't know if you've heard of it called Amazon. Oh, yeah, I think um, I've heard. <laughs> you have a cake. A small little outfit. Um, they um, unsurprisingly carry it. And um, I'm in uh, many of the better and bigger bookstores um, oh. and some of the smaller ones, too. That's uh, so Barnes and Nobles, etc. I like to see those little bookstores still survive. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. And uh, what else? Uh, you can uh, you can get my app as well, Dynamic Running Therapy, on the iStore, uh, Apple Store. Um, and if you go to my web website, um, we give us that in, website. Uh, I was just thinking of that. Uh, what is your website that we should go to? So I've got I got two. I've got one which is dynamicrunningtherapy.com. And then I've got William Pullen's psychotherapist dot com. Oh, um, <coughs> no, I would send the, the uh, website I went to was instead of com, it was co dot uk. Is it? Uh, I guess they're both the same. Whichever you exactly. Type in. <laughs> okay. Yes, they both work. Okay. Well, in conclusion, as William Pullen reminds us, movement is a crucial part of our lives, and it's in our DNA, and it's hard hardwired to our own behaviors. And so when you think about it, it makes absolutely no sense to leave movement out when we're seeking to overcome a perplexing challenge. We can't uh, make a decision on something or we need to overcome anxiety and depression. And including running or walking in our daily routine can help us overcome so many emotional hurdles. And movement gives us a physical context, as William Pullen points out, a sense of truly passing through time and space, and that makes it easier to shift your perspectives, raise our moods, and return to a place of hope, energy, and possibility. And always remember true healing from whatever problem or condition requires both body and mind working in harmony so that uh, that's best achieved on the move, as William points out. And obviously we have only touched on the surface of DRT. Uh, to dig deeper and to apply the therapy yourself, I highly recommend you preview and purchase William Pullen's new book, Running with Mindfulness, and that doesn't mean you have to run a marathon or anything like that. And so much <laughs> thank you so much, William, for uh, the, uh, the most informative interview and best of success on the sale of that brand-new book. Thank you so much. It's been fun. As we just discussed, anxiety, fearfulness, and depression in America are at tragic highs. In fact, the U.S. is among the most depressed countries in the world. 
And surprisingly, as we also discussed, in spite of all the horrific events going on in the world, experts tell us that most of our frustration and fearfulness come from within. In effect, you and I self-generate and perpetuate a lot of what uh, we most are most anxious about. And to help explain why, I'd like to take a few moments to highlight the ancient wisdom of Buddha in his Two Arrow Sutra. And this sutra was cited in the introduction to William Pullen's book, Running with Mindfulness, the book we talked about earlier today. The Buddha taught that we are hit by two arrows every time something unfortunate happens in our lives. When hit with discomfort, injury, insults, rejections, job loss, separation, sickness, maybe even aging, whatever, the first arrow is the inevitable physical and emotional pain that we feel from the actual, most often unavoidable event itself. And this may feel like the wind is knocked out of us, a hollowness in the chest, a tight stomach, dizziness, perhaps tears. But then comes that second arrow, or form of distress, that's the one we shoot at ourselves. It comes from our reaction to this event and the stuff we add to it and linger over it. Our negative reaction and bitterness most often continues long after the actual event is complete. Why me? I didn't deserve this. This is so unfair. What will happen now? We've all had these kind of thoughts. We add more anguish to the mix by taking negative experiences personally. Oftentimes it has nothing to do with who we actually are or what we did. And the second arrow of torment can play out in different ways. First, we blame and denounce others for shooting us with the rejection, the insult, the dismissal, wrong of any variety. And we may even feel picked on by the universe as well as by the individual that did it. A uh, second option is we castigate and condemn ourselves for being human and not avoiding life's inescapable disappointments, reaching the conclusion that we are particularly damaged, don't measure up, and are fated to misery. And the third choice, and this is perhaps the worst of all, we chase short-term distractions and so-called sensual pleasures. Uh, for instance, stuffing our feelings with food, getting high on drugs or alcohol, or going on a foolish shopping spree. Any relief we gain from any of these three, any one of these three approaches is fleeting at best, quickly wears off, and when it does, it makes us feel all the more anxious. Of course, the third approach, overindulgence of any kind, also can have disastrous consequences. We don't even want to talk about those. And all three of these approaches at best distract us and ultimately let us down. They don't solve anything. They in no way encourage healing and inspire us to move on. You know, when you think about it, what possibly can be more senseless and self-destructive than continually reliving and beating yourself up over something that has already happened, something mean or uh, that somebody did, something unfortunate like a car accident or loss of your job, anything that can't be undone. And sadly, some folks seem to genuinely believe that if they worry enough over their unhappiness, they will eventually find a solution. I don't know where that idea comes from. This simply doesn't work. Worry over what can't be undone never solves a thing. You and I know that, don't we? No matter how much we worry or temporarily sweep things under the rug, we ultimately will have to overcome our worries, 
by facing up to them and then challenging the feelings from which we've been hiding or passing the blame. So what's the solution? Well, the spiritual solution, according to Buddha, is to put the anger, bitterness, and distractions, put them aside, and attend to the uncomfortable feelings directly after being hit by that first arrow. How does it feel to be fired, dumped by your mate, divorced, maybe rejected, abandoned? Well, not good, but if you hold these feelings in your awareness uh, for what they are, then begin thinking about how best you can react and overcome them. It turns out they may not be as overwhelming as you first thought. With self-compassion and care, the body softens, the mind becomes less agitated, creativity is unleashed, and new positive recovery plans and possibilities of action uh, come to mind. Heck, within a few months, you may change your whole perspective and consider the uh, apparent setback one of the best things that ever happened to you. I know that's happened to me more than a few times, uh, for instance, after losing a job and finding a much better one. It turns out that you can survive, even prosper, after being hit by an arrow, so long as you don't shoot too many of those second arrows into yourself in return. Also, you will, ingrain, you will gain incredible confidence in your ability to overcome adversity once you face up to that first arrow. And the next time you're hit by an arrow of uh, unfortunate, uh, outrageous fortune, you'll be ready. Now, always remember, it's not the often unavoidable negative event that does the most damage. It's your reaction to it. And earlier in today's program, our guest, William Pullen, described how dynamic running therapy, or DIT, or DRT, helps uh, you let go of negative remembrances and instead uh, causes you to be more present and accepting. And let's face it, unfortunate events and hurtful behavior of others will at some point impact every single one of us. That's just what it's like to be human. That's that inevitable first arrow. And whether you practice DRT, mindfulness meditation, or some other form uh, of therapy or means to cease endless sorrowful rumination over what can't be changed, it's time to move on to positive thinking and planning for the future. Uh, use that creativity and abandon uh, the past is really only worthwhile as a lesson to how to do better in the future, isn't it? Above all else, don't keep intensifying the pain by time and again shooting yourself with those awful second arrows. And that's our program for today. Until we talk again, please keep in mind always, middle age can and should be your best age. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 